My name is Ian McLeod. This is a story of mine called Well Loved. Every city has a place like this. It lies at the back of everywhere else, where long streets lead nowhere both ways. It's mostly night here. There are rags of it left in the alleys, even at midday. But it's where you have to earn and chance your living. Voices are circling in the darkness, the lips and the hips, the words that bring the brake lights, the face to the windscreen, the open car door. You taste hunger and fear. You don't feel ready, but you know you need to sell. No point waiting for that big limo, the clean and friendly face. They never take the trade here. And when they do, they aren't real. They touch your skin as if it's shrink wrap. You see the steel edge of pain slide behind their smile. Stepping to the curb is like diving into a vat of something cool. You know the way you walk says now and me. The big leather handbag you lifted two days before bumps your side. For no reason, it feels like protection. You hear engine breath and see all the others, names you can place with needs like your own. But now they're nothing but meat, competition. They're street lights, but no stars. And looking up is like falling, like giving way. You wonder if you've taken too much or if it's not enough. Next time you tell yourself everything will be fine Everything will be immaculate, and you focus on that and imagine that now is that time. A car slows. Your car. You don't doubt it for an instant that this is the one. Smile at the window. Already you're drawing yourself in, clicking on the robot, putting away the thought. There's short talk of money, but you slide in beside him anyway, and you're alone. He's got a hotel room. He wants the whole night. He says things about you, the way you look and smell, taking his hand off the wheel to touch as he drives. The city slides by like coloured rain. You can't stop staring at the child's toy at the bottom of the dash. A thing without much face apart from eyes and floppy little arms with half-chewed fur. Could be a teddy, a rabbit, a fox. Well loved, the phrase is. You can't stop staring. The hotel room, pink and baby blue, trying not to look. You admire as though he made it himself. There's a swap appliance in the corner. There always is. The rental company logo on the side. The power line goes to the same marbled socket as the tea's made. Maybe it's a choice, tea or swap. But he fixed you a real drink from the pay bar instead and it's vodka. The glass has a crack in it, trying not to look, clicking on the robot. There's a plastic snow steam toy on the bedside cabinet. He picks it up and turns it in his hands as he sits easy on the bed. You wonder, though it breaks every rule, about his wife, his kids. Hitches up the knees of his suit trousers so as not to spoil the crease. His legs are quite brown in the gap above his sock. You comment admiringly on his tan, with the right kind of smile clicked into place. You finish your drink and he gets another. And you start to think that maybe this one is kind. This one understands. The whole luggage of hope spills out and you're dragging it around the room with what you figure is a smile. And then, when you sense he's anxious to start, you ask, what's it to be? And you fear his doubt. There's even a moment when you hope he's not going to want to swap. But...
Let's swap, he says. Comes out like it's a great big new idea. And that's how you take it. Freshly minted for this baby blue and pink room for this special occasion. He runs his Amex card through the slot of the swap appliance. And you notice how his eyes and his hands are solid sure. There's an awkward wait until the credit beeps through. Then you stand with your hands over the two swap boxes like contestants in Name That Tune. And you wonder if it's worth repeating that same old joke. As he starts on it anyway, you both start to laugh and you begin to get the buzz of the swap, then the slam of it. And you're in his body, the flood of being inside someone else. You're looking out, looking out at your own face and you can feel how the dampness of his excited skin sticks against his suit and shirt. His mouth tastes faintly of rancid walnuts and his big hands move lighter and easier than you had imagined. You stare back at yourself. It's so much clearer than a mirror. You can see the faint smudge of mascara where you must have rubbed your eye. You decide your eyebrows are too thick and the pores too wide and deep. He smiles at you with your lips out of your eyes. His hands are already exploring the newness of your body, running down and up. Then he pulls you close and there's no hurry, but you start to do it anyway. When you come with his body into your own, it's like the cold dive of stepping into the curb and you feel pity for men, just as you feel pity for women. You fall back on the sheets in the smell of his sweat and you gaze at your face across the pillow as the eyes drift shut and he sleeps inside your body for a while. It's hard to imagine the dreams that come to him in your brain, but your face looks sweetly blissful now, asleep, the way you never see it. You look even longer, younger than you are. You think of your sister who died, your mother and the smell of cooking in the Sunday kitchen. You lean over so gently and kiss your lips with lips of stubble and eyes blink open and he stares back at you. He stretches and growls and tries to look sexy in his borrowed woman's body, as though what you see and feel matters. But he gives up and lies restlessly still. The hotel is silent and each car on the dual carriageway outside is a separate noise, a separate identity. The eyes stare wide at the ceiling. You wonder what he wants, but you're afraid to ask in the phlegmy growl of your borrowed voice. You're afraid to ask, but he says it anyway. He says it with your lips, your voice, your throat. He says, hit me. Now that it's out and the need is suddenly huge, you realise that the sex before was just a veil to pull over it. You bunch his hands that felt so light before and feel them swing like lead. You can feel it, the power. He wants the taste of metal and salt. You straddle your breasts, shutting your suntan knees against his thin arms. You swing your fists down and you see your face go slack with the pleasure of it. There's an erection bobbing stupidly between your legs and you both come, but stopping and coming isn't important. You hate yourself so much that it's hard to stop. Even when he starts to kick and wriggle beneath you, you hate, you hate everything. You take it out on yourself. He fights you with weak, thin arms. The resistance is only moth wings and you can taste the power and the horror, the salt and the metal until something finally brims over.
and you lie back, breathing. There's blood on your knuckles, blood on the bedboard. He turns and curses you softly through split lips, saying, you don't know when to stop, you stupid bitch. And you stare at the lips and the puffing eye and wonder if it's time that there might be scars. And then somehow you both sleep. It's hard to remember the swap back in the morning. There's just the hot pain of the shower and seeing the Amex card in the cabinet beside the snow scene toy and lifting the card by instinct as you shoulder your handbag. And suddenly you're back in his car and he's offering to drive you anywhere, just anywhere. The well-loved cuddly toy is still staring at you from the bottom of the dash. It's a shock when you look down at your own hands and when you try to say where you want to go, your mouth feels as though it's filled with sharp stones. The car carries you off. The city is flat in the early light, like a black and white photo on a tin tray. His hands are easy on the wheel. He's a regular guy, talking about his family as he drives. He's even using what sound like their real names just to show that he's not afraid. His wife used to do personnel and his eldest is called Tina. Tina's 10 and dyslexic, the shit they have to take down at the school to convince them she wasn't just stupid. Haley's the other and she's only four. Tina's a fine kid, but Haley's the real looker, almost like that cute little kid in the Poltergeist movies who died. You know, cute. She'd get the boys crazy when she grows tits and an ass, might as well face it. A dad has to admit his kids are going to have a sex life. He nods down at the dash. That thing you're looking at, he says, that cuddly toy. It's Bib Bob, Haley's pride and joy. Even now she's reached four, Bib Bob has to come everywhere. Jesus, she loves that toy. Chews it till it's filthy and then screams murder when it goes in the wash. And you're dead right, he grins, this regular guy. Daddy's deep in the doghouse for driving off this weekend for a conference with Bib Bob still in the car. You pick the famous Bib Bob up. And you smile a crooked smile with your crooked face. And Bib Bob feels soft and light as something alive. But the man stops smiling as he drives and tells you, put that fucking thing down. And that's just what you pretend to do as you bend close to the dash and slide Bib Bob into your handbag down there with the Amex card. He wants to drop you off close to where you need to be. Nothing's too much trouble but you investigate your face again in the sun visor mirror and touch the puffiness of the scabs. Somehow that makes him angry. He stops the car anywhere and throws you out and drives off. But it doesn't matter. When you dust yourself down, hit your bag and check where you are, you realise you're nearly there anyway. Rono's dealing early. He handles the franchise for people like you, people who need some kind of ladder to climb up out of the night. And you've got more than enough cash to store. Ronna hands it over and doesn't ask about your face. He knows, he's seen it all before. Walking back to your big room in the big old house that you used to share with Stephanie before Stephanie got busted, feeling the bruises tug at your arms, the score doesn't matter anymore. It's often this way. Now you've got it, tucked beside Bibob in your handbag and wrapped in tissue, it loses the pull. You pass a scrap of wasteland filled with sunlight and tall purple flowers and fairies of dandelion seed drifting. You pause for a moment and there's a click of balance where everything but the light and the flowers is nowhere. It makes you wonder how it all happened. 
Did you start trading your body because you needed the score? Or did the score begin because you were trading? And when you get back to the rotting house and up the stairs and across the loose beam and wash some fresh tissue paper into the broken panes as you lie down on the stained mattress and your fingers hurry with the wrapping and it feels as good as ever, as good as you could ever imagine. As the loose haze fills out, you take Big Bob from your bag and hold him to your aching face. Well loved, he smells of fresh rain and childhood spit. He soothes your pain with soft and tiny arms, giving out some of the love that's been poured into him. And then you dream, and Bib Bob's big as the world, and everything is nestled safe within him. It's already late afternoon when you awake. Bib Bob soaks up the tears on the grubby cushion beside you, smiling with his little stitched mouth, sharing the secret of dreams you can't understand or even remember. There are voices downstairs. You check your face in the broken mirror and wash it in the stale water in the basin. You're starting to look like the elephant man. Not caring what they think, you stumble down to join the others, but no one says a word. They've all been there on the wrong side of a swap. You get inside a body that's filled with the wrong juice and you don't stand a chance. There are some smokes around and the atmosphere is good. Tony's on a special high. He sold one of those old pictures he does to a guy he met at a pickup. The guy's loaded and says he has talent. He wants him to move in, out with an exhibition. And Judy's dad's written from Germany. The letter got here somehow, just like magic. And here it is. She holds the crumpled pages to her face. And you think of the famous Bib Bob upstairs in your room, just waiting to be loved. But the dark falls quickly. Before you know, the smokes have all gone and everyone's quiet and thinking about what's to come. There's only one way through the night and that leads back to the back of somewhere else. A street that goes nowhere both ways. You put on the robot clothes and frown at your face and do what you can with what makeup you've got, which isn't a great deal. Everyone leaves alone and takes their own way to the place through their own dreads and possibilities. There's no one to talk to now that everyone is just meat. The competition. Black air hurts like a toothache. You've got Bib Bob in your bag and somehow just thinking about him makes you want to cry. You keep your face as smooth and even as the puffiness allows and hang back in the shadows, letting the night kick into gear. Meat walks the curb Cooing to the brake lights, the opening doors. You know there's no big limo, no clean and friendly pace. The pickups are as much meat as you are. Their skin is shrink-wrapped. The blade slides beneath their smile. So you step into the light and try to move your body like it's something fresh and real. And the famous Bib Bob's at your side, in your bag, that you lifted three days before. And Bib Bob feels like some kind of protection. Already... You're longing for the score, and you know the night won't end until you get it. The curb is a cool dive. The street lights spark and shine. Your face in the car windows as the brake lights whisper. You try to smile and pout, but your skin feels dead. Your tongue searches your cheek 
and it's like perfume mushrooms. You see what they see reflected in the glass and the tires scream the wet roads as they pull away. You're the elephant man in the makeup of a clown. Then one does slow and the face inside sees your face and smiles. He knows, he understands. The brake lights grin, the car door opens. Realise that he likes what he sees and he wants to do more, that he wants the taste of salt and metal. So you stumble back to the darkness and run down the street that leaves both ways nowhere. There's a taxi for hire. The driver slows and says, Jesus, I nearly ran you down. But he can't see you in the dark and he takes you as if you're a normal fare. But when you climb out at the hotel, the light catches your face and he screws his up in disgust like a paper bag. You throw the money at him and wonder where he gets all that righteous anger from, pimping lifts here in the city. There's music in the foyer, like peach ice cream, men buried in deep chairs, deep in drink and newspapers. You pulled a scarf from under Bib Bob in your bag and you've got it around your face like a Russian peasant. You take a risk and go straight to the desk. The clerk's got his nose buried in a computer screen and you move so quietly on your heels that he doesn't hear you. The carpet is soft as Bib Bob. You scan the pigeonholes behind and find the room number from last night. He must be out. The key is on its hook. You know where he'll be cruising for someone like you who isn't. You clear your throat and the clerk looks up without looking and you ask for the key and he simply gives it you. You take the lift where the music pours out loud and creamy. No one else gets in. You're glad it's just you and Bib Bob. It's you and him alone. Nothing about this is easy. If it wasn't for Bib Bob at your side you'd turn and run. Walking the corridor is another cold dive and the key barely fits like it's only just been made. The room looks bigger. The maid has wiped the blood off the headboard. The bed looks as if it's never been slept in, let alone. The swap appliance, the lead to the marbled socket that also feeds the tea's made. It's tea or swap and there's no competition. You take Bib Bob out and the Amex card as well. Bib Bob smells like Christmas and childhood. The Amex smells like the polished floor of a bank just after opening. You hob Bib Bob tight. You gaze at him. He smiles back with his well-loved eyes and his half-unstitched mouth. Bib Bob soaks up all the world's tears and hurts. He's nothing but love. The swap appliance, a little LCD you hadn't noticed before, says so ready to enter. You run the Amex through the slot and a credit bleep comes quickly. You kiss Bib Bob's little face and you sit him on the swap box facing you. He falls off it. You kiss him and sit him down again. And then you stand with your hand over the other box, like it's named that tune and you're the only contestant, unless you count Bib Bob, and you wait for the buzz and you smile at Bib Bob and you wait for the slam. And he comes back to his room a couple of hours later with someone else like you he didn't even have to buy. 
that there's a body on the floor and the whole scene's blown. The thing is breathing and the eyes are wide, but there's nothing inside. The pickup has hysterics. He slaps her around a bit to make her stop. Then he sends her away with enough money. He rings the company. He's a company man. They have shares in the hotel and it's a good company and he's a good employee and it could happen to anyone. So they take the body to the hospital and the company has shares in that too. They hook up the life supports for a while before they turn them off again. The thing is just lifeless junk, the sort that gets cleaned out of the gutter every day. And long before that, the conference has ended and he's back at home, parking in the twilight drive amid the Scots pines and the brown rooftops where swallows wheel. There are lights in the windows and children are in his arms. He's every hero. He's the voyager returning home from the quest. He's Ulysses. He's Frodo Baggins. He's Parsifal. And the kitchen smells of burnt toast and cinnamon. He kisses his wife as though she's freshly braked from the oven. And what do we have here in these cases? Goodies for you and you and you. Tina and Haley clap and yell at jigsaws and snow scene balls and his wife preens you shouldn't have with a micro dot bottle of exorbitant perfume. And looky what we have here at the bottom of the case. The famous Bib Bob himself. Haley's in tears with her arms out, gimme gimme tight to have the famous Bib Bob, even though she's getting a little old and had forgotten all about him whilst Daddy was away. There's snot on her upper lip and she wipes it away with Bib Bob's ear. Then she swings him by his legs and does a Bib Bob's come home war dance all around downstairs. She slams Bib Bob on the dining room table and rattles him along the banister rails. Then Haley sits down in the warm laughter of the kitchen. She sniffs Bib Bob, pressing him to her face and wondering why he smells of nothing more than old sheets, wondering why he feels so loose and ugly. Bib Bob used to be famous, great and wise. Bib Bob used to stand aside. Bib Bob used to stand astride the world. Bib Bob's been away, Bib Bob's come home, but nothing ever stays quite the same. Wrinkling her pretty nose, turning her eyes wide and bright to the swirling snow steam, she lets Bib Bob fall to the floor.